It's maybe, one of those maybe weird... some context on that. Oh <laughs> no, yeah, sure. So much like uh, much like America, Australia has states. So New South Wales is one of the states that uh, that Australia has. Speaking of a unique experience. <laughs> what a segment. We are here with the Halcyon Frequency podcast, episode 54. Um, we're actually, this is the first episode after a year of recordings, apparently. Um, wow, I feel wildly unprepared. Oh, so was I. Like, I, I was listening to episode 52. Um, like, I think we did episode 52. Uh, because I have here, as you've heard, I have Drongo and Woa Jess here. So I will just do this little discussion bit and then ask how you both are, all right? I am completely prepared. Absolutely not major ADHD mode right now, I swear. But I I did episode 52 with you two and I was like, oh, wait, that's a year. Oh, no. Did we just like ruin the year anniversary? But apparently it was the week after, and that was the last last episode with uh, FG and FG and Blind. That was a, a duo podcast. But yes, <laughs> back to the topic at hand. This is going to be hell to edit, by the way. Um, <laughs> Drongo, how are you? Hello there. I'm doing very well. Thank you. Glad to hear it. And Jess, how are you? I am sleepy. For reasons, but I'm here. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome on in. Um, it's a pleasure to have you both, and a pleasure to be here. We've tried to connect the past two days, but there's been um, been ups and downs on uh, multiple ends. So it's finally good to have you both here, and here for this podcast. I, I really, really enjoy being with you two. It. Seems as though we've become like the day shift. It seems you know? that way. <laughs> yeah, we were we, we we are repeatedly appearing here simply because of we're all the ones um all the ones around at this time. It works for me though. It's kind of like my evening and not so much daytime, but sure. Mm-hmm. I'm <laughs> I'm just really glad when I first joined I was the only I was the only Southern Hemispherean, let alone, you know, opposite sides of the world. So I was having to do episodes at like two in the morning, three in the morning, or wake up at seven in the morning. And it's so nice to be able to do one, sit down and do one at 1 p.m. It feels great. And I would not have been able to do it if there weren't uh, Americans such as yourself, Jess, and Drongo as well. You know, you've made things much easier on my sleeping schedule. Wow, it's not often that people thank me for being American. (laughs) (laughs) So you're welcome. (laughs) Honestly, like on the opposite side of that, I'm kind of uh, bored of being congratulated on being Australian. So I don't know. Really? Who congratulates you for being Australian? Oh, just everybody. You know, it's like, oh, thanks so much for being Australian, Drongo. That's a really refreshing experience for us all. Okay, okay, okay. Now I have to ask. <laughs> if you were American, would you be, you know, bloody redneck or or, or something else? Like what would you what would your uh <laughs> what would your handle be? Uh 
Well, no. No, I, 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 wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be bloody redneck, no. Because it's not an equivalent, you know? So No, no, would, no. It's... I would be like, I don't know. If I was from the US, my, my handle would probably be something like... Um, Yeehaw 69. <laughs> we don't really have, um, like, bloody is not slang here besides yeah. actually being bloody. So, like, being a bloody redneck would actually just literally be being bloody and being a redneck. Yeah, which is kind Stronger. of gross. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you for being Australian, because I don't think I'd be able to handle you as Yeehaw 69. And to be you honest, know, I don't think many people could. For the longest time, I actually thought, like, your name confused me a lot mm. because of, like, what bloody means here. And mm. I was just like, I don't know what a drongo is, but it's, I'm envisioning it being bloody. Maybe it's, like, a bird thing because of your emotes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, drongos are birds, but it's also slang, so. But they're un- completely unrelated to each other, so it's. Wait, the drongo bird. is a bird? Yeah, drongos are an actual bird. Yeah, but my emotes aren't are a drongo on? bird either. So no, oh. your yours are an emu. Yeah, correct. An emu. Yeah, an yes, emu. an emu. An emu. That, that's <laughs> which is which is great because that's also my handle in worm <laughs> emu. Yeah. <laughs> so it it kind of like in a really weird roundabout way kind of ties everything together. Your, Maybe that, your, that would probably just be my 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 Ameri- uh, handle if I was American would just be emu. I got myself some emus over here. Yeah, but they, you'd, <laughs> you'd you'd occasionally use ostriches because they can't tell the difference. Yeah, I mean you have to be pretty deep into the fandom to be able to tell the difference. To be honest, or have no, you know basic look, observational skills. Most Australians know how to tell the difference. Well, I mean, if you I can don't beat know. it in a fight, it's an ostrich. If it beats you, it's an emu. What? No, mm, I don't know. <laughs> I'm pretty sure ostriches have a pretty, pretty bad reputation for being pretty vicious as well. So I don't know about. Pretty sure Australians can't beat emus in a fight, though. Well, I mean, that's that's unquestionably true. I just question the validity of and the wisdom of going into battle with an ostrich. You know. Listen, you got to do some things for content that you don't always wind up proud of. And the ostrich had it coming, all right? Well, I mean, that's a fair point. I mean, when I was very, very, very new to Twitch, I jokingly said if we ever hit a thousand followers, I would, I would box a, a kangaroo, which obviously I didn't do because, I mean, that's not the right thing. But what I did instead was I, I went out and uh, filmed a, a little first person documentary with um with a group called wires that look after wildlife here and um bottle fed some joeys and stuff and it was very cute i recall Aww. that yeah, yeah you in the did day. that that interview with that lady yeah yeah the uh, the lady from wires yeah correct yeah yeah mm-hmm. um so for those of you who don't know wires is a wildlife animal rescue volunteer service in Australia. And they basically take in all native wildlife and such and sort of look after them. But you wind up with very odd scenarios, such as middle-aged ladies who have a house full of baby kangaroos and things. Um, 
because you know if you're not in the middle of sydney or melbourne or brisbane you're in the bush and there's wildlife everywhere trying yeah. to imagine a house full of baby kangaroos chaos uh, and it's it's pretty chaotic yeah. it's so what i'm sorry. envisioning is like very pleasant actually just like little bouncy things they are little bouncy <laughs> things. They are super cute. Like, like uh, Joey's, which is what we call baby kangaroos, are very, very cute. So she had two Joey's. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I think she had two echidnas, one or two echidnas, um, several possums. Uh, she also had uh, a few birds, a few different native birds. And... Uh, a, a sugar glider as well, I want to say. Aww. So she had like a pretty wide variety of different stuff. It was a very cute video. Unfortunately, at the time, I, I hadn't really been doing content creation for a while and the audio quality and the camera work isn't the best. But at the same time, it was like one of those things like I was very early on. This is like within my first year of streaming and... I'm I'm kind of proud of of that. And you it were was, it was very cool. You, you were trying new things and you were pushing those boundaries, and I think that's what's mm. important. Exactly. Yeah, um, and it was really nice because, like, I was like literally hit a thousand followers on Twitch, and I reached out to Wise to be like, "Hey, you know, I'm you know I'm a streamer, and I wanted to, uh, you know, see if I could you know do something charity wise with you guys," and they're head of like PR or something. I forget the exact title name, but immediately like emailed me back and was like, yes, absolutely. We'd love to do something with you. Can I call you later today? And was like super engaged and super involved straight away, regardless of how you know small I was, they were super excited to work with me, which was also really like a, a very nice and validating feeling as well, which was cool. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I actually just earlier today, I found a um, a fun fact about echidnas. They blow snot bubbles to cool down. So no, the, like my cat. Yeah, the bubbles break over the tip Cats of their do beak. That? My cat right. does that. What? <laughs> I had no idea. I've never seen a cat do that. Yeah, I think that's it strange. involves um, permanent allergies and lots of runny noses. Okay, so so it's oh. not a, it's not a cool out. <laughs> no, he just blows snot bubbles, and then they dry sometimes. Oh no! He has like a, a big dried snot bubble. So like some of my daily tasks include cleaning my cat's nose. Oh bless! Oh, it's pretty cute. <laughs> Poor guy. Poor guy. <laughs> but yeah, so they blow these snot bubbles that burst on their beak, and then that cools it down. And the beak is about 10 degrees cooler than the other parts of its body. Well, when you think about it, like an echidna's nose is so long and narrow that when you introduce like moisture into the mix, it becomes a very or, or a fairly efficient uh, cooling apparatus. Because yeah, you've yeah. got a lot of, um, you know, a lot of blood vessels and it's very sensitive as well because they use their nose to kind of dig and sense, you know, uh, where, to, um, where to find worms and stuff like that. Food, an echidna stuff, so. is like it's a it's an anteater meets, meets a hedgehog. Yeah, pretty much. Well, also, I mean, that's also, also lays pretty eggs. to say because like <laughs> they they they're their own unique thing. They're, they're a special thing. They're, they're oh, special I know. Thing. That's just when I I see them, I see anteater and I see hedgehog. Yeah, looking at it visually, 
I, I would say that, but they are incredibly unique in the animal world simply because they're one of the few monotremes, which is they lay eggs like, you know, reptiles, like other things, but they feed their young with milk like mammals. So mm. it's this weird blend of things. And I think it's just absolutely awesome of them, you know, and there's lots of cool wildlife in Australia. Um, like, yes, we've got, everyone always hears the, <gasps> there's spiders, there's snakes, but we honestly have some of the most unique and coolest wildlife out there, like platypi and uh, echidnas, koalas, like all of those things. And I don't know, there's a lot to make up for uh, some of the, some of the deadly griblies and, and creepy crawlies we've got as well. I mean, that's I definitely true. I would love to see all that. And there's also like a lot of stuff that people outside of Australia probably aren't really aware of, like quolls and numbats and bilbies that are all these like super adorable and amazing and beautiful animals that it's just Bilbies. Like... Do you remember that campaign to replace the Easter bunny with the Easter bilby? Yeah. I mean, it's still a thing. It is? Okay. Because I remember it used to be a thing, but then, you know, I went to New Zealand and, um, I'm I'm glad to hear it is still a thing because yeah. I always thought that was really cool. I uh, yeah. So how do you context, spell Ilby? Sorry. How do you spell Ilby? Because I'm trying uh, to Bil Google it Bilby. and I'm getting some B I L B Y. Bilby. Okay, that that came up with a not very strange Google response. Thank you. Oh, it's yep. really cute. They are super cute. <laughs> so I mean, in for context, in Australia, rabbits are an introduced species, and they're really, really harmful to the the natural environment here. And they also cause a bunch of problems for even livestock and stuff like that because of the amount of burrows and stuff that they dig here. So because they're not really a very popular animal, there's been a pretty long held idea that we replace the Easter bunny with the Easter bilby. So in Australia, not only can you get your classic like capitalism flavored Easter rabbits, but you can also get uh, Easter bilby chocolate as well, which is uh, my personal preference. They, they go and a lot of those, yeah, a Easter lot of those bilby. companies also put the money towards um, looking after the native wildlife and, and looking after bilbies because again, they are endangered. I think. Uh, I know they were at risk. I don't know if they still are. Um, they are endangered. They are endangered. Damn. Damn. However, there has been a successful campaign to popularize the bilby as the alternative to the Easter bunny in efforts of conservation. Yeah, baby. Let's go. See? If it's, if it's on Wikipedia, provided. it's, it's got to be true. real. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. So with that out of the way, why don't we take a quick break and then jump into talking some of the games we've been playing this week. Um, Sounds good. Base Builder Fest has been out, so I think there's going to be a fair few uh, that are going to be fun to check out. What was the other thing that I was going to say? I don't know who's editing this episode. And if it's blind, I half expect him to, I half expect him to come yelling at me. Like, you know, this is so chaotic and all over the place already. And I probably shouldn't have gone for that walk because I've come back so energized and my head is just... <laughs> so it wants to jump from tangent to tangent. Yeah, I got this. I got this. We'll jump into games and... Uh... 
Okay, let me pull up Steam so I don't forget everything about every game ever. <laughs> All right, while uh, Jess is pulling up Steam, I'll jump uh, to you, Jonga. Cool. You can take it, then Jess, and then I, and then we'll just go around like that. Sure. Um, all right, coming back in. And we are back with episode 54 of the Halcyon Frequency podcast, recording 26th of the 1st. Um, and now we're going to be talking about the games we've been playing this week. Drongo. Hello. You've been playing Steamworld Build. What's yeah, that? I had a sponsored stream with them earlier this week and i am pleased to say i had a great time i think it's a really really well polished game it was really it's only been put on the steam store this week so it's been kind of in the public eye for very a very very short period of time and the fact that it is so far along at its first moment of offering they've got a free uh, demo that's downloadable uh, on on Steam at the moment, and it is just really, really beautifully done. the The animation style for the game, the art style for the game, the overall mechanics of the base building. So you've got your base building above surface, but then you've also got a mining and resourcing uh, resource gathering component in the mines down below, and then there's also an element of kind of almost like tower defense or, or, or wave defense, which is very, very enjoyable as well. So it, it brings together a lot of different aspects of the game, like the, I guess, the, the real-time strategy and city builder genres in a very interesting and successful way. And I had a great time with it. Even, even though I was paid to play it, I, I still yep. had a really, really wonderful uh, time with it. Um, and it's definitely a game that I will be keeping an eye out for as it comes towards release, which will be apparently sometime this year. And it will be coming to all platforms. And apparently one of the big selling points for it is that it has been developed from the get-go with different platforms in mind. So it's not going to be one of those city builders or strategy games that gets developed for PC and then ported poorly onto, you know, Switch or something like that. It has been developed with the UI and UX in mind to have those other platforms in 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 mind. So uh yeah. hopefully it's a, a successful release. But yeah, I, I had a great time. I think they've they've done a great job with it. Now this is being Steamworld, I remember I think they launched Steamworld Dig back in 2014 2013 i think it's mm -hmm. it's it's a good long time and i know they've come out with steamworld dig 2 and i think steamworld heist is this another one that's built in the same sort of genre world thing like it's so weird that they go from they're almost jumping genres with the same world in this so I, I don't actually know the answer to that because I've not played any prior Steamworld title. I was, this was the, the first time I was aware of that whole, I guess, universe of different games. From what people have said to me that it may be set in the same universe, but it has been kind of a cool thing that a lot of people who are fans of the previous games, regardless of what genre they are, the observation universally has been, oh, I think it's really nice that they try to make games in lots of different genres. 
Um, yeah. Which is, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, so I have no original... previous experience with this stuff, <laughs> so I'm not really sure. But yeah, it's good. The the original Steam World was like you turn up and it's like this town of a place where you can get some upgrades, a place where you can sell the things you dig up, and you basically dig down collect materials come back up sell them and then just upgrade your tools and dig further like one of those mm-hmm. one of those types of games and i remember getting into it back when i first got on steam i was yeah, probably right. one of the first games i picked up i've seen them come out with steam world heist and steam world dig too um so they've always been on my peripheral and it's really cool to to hear that they've just totally changed things up and dived into a colony building game um, it always had this really cool um, steampunk meets Western vibe, yeah. you know? So it wasn't like the Victorian England style steampunk, but more Wild West style steampunk. And I really like that. Yeah, that's right up my alley as well. Uh, it gave me an excuse to whip out my whip out my prospector accent for the sake of voice acting and a few bits and bobs here and there, you know? So it was a good time oh yes yes oh lovely lovely did um did the sponsorship include that as part of the offer like you no know? they uh, they got that for free <laughs> they got that for free that's just a cherry on top of the deal you know uh uh they're getting value they're getting value 100 mm-hmm. always always that's it all value all the time that's my motto <laughs> Jess, what have you been up to this week? I I heard a little rumor that you've played something other than Dwarf Fortress. Oh my goodness. I have. I ha- well, unless we count the game that I, I was playing off stream, I have played something else besides Dwarf Fortress <laughs> in the past <laughs> few weeks, but I did play three different games today. This very day, I played three different games, but they were all demos. Um, well, yes, it is. It is currently Base Builder Fest uh, on Steam, which is a celebration of all of the uh, all of the various crafting and building games on um, on Steam. So there's lots of demos out there. What one have you been playing? Uh, the the first one I played today was Against the Storm, which is a game that I really have wanted to play for a while because it's been out since November 2022, and all reviews are overwhelmingly positive. Recent reviews, overwhelmingly positive, and it's just been sitting there like, I want to play this game. I want to play this game. So today I decided, heck, I'll download the demo and give it a try. And it was really pleasant. It's still in early access, but well-polished. Felt really good to play. It's basically, yeah, it's a dark fantasy city builder that takes place in apocalyptic reigns they're never ending apocalyptic reigns and so you are the queen's viceroy and your task is to basically rebuild the smoldering city by discovering things and instead of having like one city like you would expect in a city builder you have this like whole network of things that you build and i can't really speak to that because again it was just the demo and so i I only have my little tutorial cities but it seems like it would be really cool. Like, by by the end of the demo, I was just like, ooh, I gotta keep playing. Actually, the demo has a lot of content. Like, 10 hours of content. But I, I probably played about three, two or three hours today. And I, I really liked it. 
so I, I've actually, I've got Against the Storm and I've been playing a fair amount of it as well. And yeah, it is an amazingly fun game. I really love the, the aesthetic of it. That like constant rain, that sort of drizzle vibe. And then it, it cracks it's got a up great into atmosphere. storms. It really does. And um, I'm not sure of the, the, uh, how far the tutorial demo went, but I really like it because I get bored of city builders quickly, right? I, I, it's strange to say Dwarf Fortress and Rimworld are the ones that hook me, but like colony builders where you have to build a colony and keep it going for a long period of time, like six or more hours bores me. This, however, is you place the, the, the town, you have to achieve certain goals. And once you achieve those, it's done. Yeah. And then you can go straight back to starting a new one with some upgraded things. It's, it has like roguelike, um, Oh yeah. It has some meta progression. So like as you, as you upgrade the, I guess you're kind of reclaiming the smoldering city as you manage to rebuild it. It comes with like permanent upgrades to your, just your cities. So it's, um, like modifiers that you end up playing with, like reduced, um, or increased production speeds, and there's some mechanics there, like the queen's impatience. The longer you take, the more impatient she gets. And so, like the very first thing in your research tree, which is actually like your meta progression, smoldering city upgrade tree, is a building that reduces the amount of time, or I guess I should say it increases the amount of time that you have in order to accomplish your goals. It reduces, you know, the queen's impatience by 2%. And so, it's kind of cool how it does that. I would like to play more, honestly. I think that's a really elegant solution to that very kind of classic city builder or survival game lull in the mid-game. And I think a lot of games really struggle with that. I mean, RimWorld definitely does. You you will constantly hear from people that it's like, oh, you know, I, I always kind of like get a certain bit and then I kind of get a bit bored or a bit frustrated waiting for stuff to happen. And a lot of the DLCs and a lot of the... Uh, updates and patches to RimWorld over the past couple of years have been very much focused on introducing things for people to do in the mid-game to incentivize them to go off their tile and experience new things and also add in like periodical uh, boss fights as an example in biotech to be able to progress uh, and you know various different scenarios that are quite varied to keep the the middle part of the game interesting but by getting rid of the that kind of that middle game before you get to the late game entirely and then have it kind of as a redo and always being able to focus the game on that initial excitement of building up and kind of that initial progression it's i think that's a really cool and elegant solution to that problem i've not played against the storm yet but it's i've had it for a while now and i i I am keen to check it out you absolutely should because it's got a great loop in the sense that the loop is a complete colony. You know, it's not you're going through a loop to build a colony. You do the loop and that's the colony and you go and build another. And, you know, it can throw a whole ton of different variables in, in different ways. And, you know, there's different biomes that have different challenges. You can have different races that have different uh, benefits and such. And you don't always get 
the same buildings. Um, it's basically mm-hmm. almost like a deck builder in terms of you get uh, upgrade points while you're playing and you can use to choose between one to four, like between four buildings and you have to choose one. You know, so that can really shape how that that build goes. You might not get the building that you're hoping to get. Um, so it adds it adds a lot of elements like that, and I think it is an incredibly unique and fun um, approach to the whole thing. Like, yeah, I've I've had a lot of fun with it, and I can see myself playing for an hour, going through an entire colony, and and that's it. And I feel complete with it. It it feels good and and solid. Yeah, agreed. I, I do want to play more. I have in my chat today being like, you should play more. Actually, one of my mods <laughs> gifted me the game <laughs> and was like, now you have no excuse to, to change games today. Like, you can just play the full game. <laughs> there you go. But I was like, no, no, I have, I have demos. I got demos and maybe I can get a review key. So, like, I'll hold on to your gift. I appreciate it, but I won't claim it yeah. yet. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I've been playing a lot of demos too this week for, for, uh, the base builder fest. And, um, I was actually sent a review, a demo key for Homeseek, which is a, um, it's a post-apocalyptic survival strategy game. So, you know, the apocalypse has come, everything is now sandy and irradiated and you leave the bunker and you're trying to build a town. And it plays a lot like Frostpunk, but with sand. So we were having to manage the the limited waters and food supplies and then send an expedition team that would go to various places and they would face certain scenarios of like, you know, you come across an old ship, you don't know how it got there. Do you spend time exploring it or do you move on? If you explore it, Someone can get injured or, and you can find scrap and all stuff like that. But as you do the explorations, as you explore the main parts, they unlock new technologies. Like you go to the farm and they learn about irrigation. You go to the old college and they learn about, you know, learning and community centers. And it's a good game. It's just not for me. Um, the main reason is, is because... Frostpunk hurt me. You know, this is a game that is very much you survive against the struggle, right? It is very punishing and it's very tough. And it's just like Frostpunk in that aspect, in that it keeps pushing you because you need to push back. And so that makes sense. Um, would you say that instead of against the storm or against the snow, it's against the sand? <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think it's against <laughs> all odds to be real, to be fair. Like it really does get so punishing so quickly because where you start, you start with contaminated water, which makes more people sick. Oh, so you fun. instantly start off with people getting sick and you can't get to the point that you can research clean water in the demo. Or at least as far as I got, you know, we could get from irradiated water to polluted water. That was our upgrade. (laughs) But it, 
was like I, I looked at that and I was getting major, major Frostpunk vibes. And so my first ever eight hour stream, like just not in not a, an intentional, we're going for this long. It was eight hours because I was committed to p finishing Frostpunk because I never wanted to play it again. <laughs> I was committed to beating it and being like, okay, we survived that scenario. And that was it because it, it is, it is gruelingly punishing and um, it, it is a demo. So there are things that were off to me, but I kind of, I'm hoping that, that it's just because it's a demo things like, um, you know, you got the message that you're running out of supplies. You need to find a way out of the valley. That's the goal. Find a way out of the valley. And I'm like, this, this is a colony builder. I've got a colony here. I've got an exploration team that's going around to different places, but how am I finding out the, out of the valley? Like what? And, um, various things like that. So there were some slightly confusing scenarios and, and places, but yeah, the, the entire vibe is very frost punky. And if you love frost punk, which I know a lot of people who probably listen to this podcast definitely did, um, or do, uh, it would be a game up your alley. And the, there currently is a demo for it on home, uh, on steam for the base builder fest. Well, cool. It looks like yeah. another Mars city builder. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not set on Mars. It is set on hopefully earth. I think. It but, is, um, but it looks like <laughs> I look at this and I, I think one of the rand, the you know, like the the countless Mars City Builder games. Yep, red and orange themed. Yep, for sure. Drongo, what else have you been playing this week? I have been playing a little bit of risk global domination sim has kind of restoked my fire for that game because i did have a brief interlude of being somewhat addicted to risk uh <laughs> going back into i think the start of last year which is um yeah i really like risk i think it's a fantastic game it's it's very simple in its execution but very beautiful in its simplicity and it's uh, a lot of fun uh, to play with other people online and and it's a it's a really interesting experience yeah no um i i get that i remember i've i've been watching sim play it as well um back in the back in the day i think he was playing it yesterday but mm -hmm. i remember when he was playing it oh about a month or so ago maybe a little bit more it always blew me away because one year, about 15 years ago, I got the Risk, the Halo Risk board game, mm -hmm. right? And it was so confusing to me and my brothers. We had no clue what to actually do with it. Um, so we've just, we were like, this is like too complex for us. Um, we were probably doing so many things of it wrong, but yeah. And so watching Sim play and watching him go through it is you get a better understanding for it, but it is still so funny that you see, you look at it and you're like, okay, this guy owns half the territories. He's clearly winning. 
And Sim's like, yeah, he'll be the first to go. He's overextended and, you know, everybody knows that. And you're just mm-hmm. like, wait, what? But he owns most of the land. Why does he so- not simply eat the smaller ones? And um, it, it's it's kind of funny watching it like that. Like, that's what I always found with, uh, with, with strategy games and such that is varying tactics. And I love that it's just, I think it's, is it free online? Just a free to play or... Uh, I think Risk is free to play. Yeah. Uh, let it me is. just have a look here. Yeah. It just has a lot of DLC that is paid. Yeah. Oh, naturally. So yeah, there is a whole bunch of, of paid DLC and stuff, but you can just play the, the base, like standard Risk with the global map and everything like that for free. I don't like, think I've ever played Risk. Really? Like really? Even, even the board game. Yeah. I don't think mm. so. I have uh, I have the actual physical board game as well, but I I think I've only had the chance to play it in person with people maybe once or twice ever, because not many people are down to actually sit down and play a game a, a game of Risk, you know. <laughs> it seems, but I love it. I love Risk. It's great. Yeah, I I'd, I'd play a game with you, but you'd have to like spend a lot of time teaching me the rules. You can't just beat me in it, okay? Hmm. Ooh, this would have been a good game for Halcyon After Hours. Back when we still did Halcyon After Hours. <laughs> it, yeah, you really know would've. what? Actually, it would have been an excellent. Uh, it's it's an excellent game for little group activities like that. Get a half a dozen people together. Yeah, it would be it would be actually really good for that. Okay, well you heard it here, Halcyon After Hours reboot. Okay, I'm, I'm not promising <laughs> that. Sorry, <laughs> I know the... there are, there's a lot of people who want that to happen. <laughs> And we're bringing it back with uh, a spice of risk. <laughs> that 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 could be either fun or it could absolutely destroy the team. Um, there's 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 two ways for it to go. <laughs> I don't know. We managed to play um, uh, the board. Uh, yes, the board game one, the train one, uh, ticket to ride. Multiple yep. times and did not sever any bonds, so mm. I don't I don't know how they compare in competitive levels. <laughs> I've never played Ticket to Ride, so I don't know. I just remember uh, yeah, FG it's... ruining all my routes and like just being so mad at her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to hear uh, that it it hasn't ruined any relationships, and also you don't sound bitter about it at all. No. <laughs> I'm not. I'm perfectly fine. Yep. Okay. You, you heard it here on on the record. Perfectly Ooh. fine. <laughs> no subtext at all. No, none, none whatsoever. <laughs> on to the next game, though. Jess, tell me about Stardeus because I've had people telling me that I should play it. Wait, is it Stardeus or Star Stardeus? Stardeus. I thought it was Stardeus, but. I think that would make sense. I've been calling it Stardius. I think Deus, because it's uh, it's Latin, right? Maybe Deus. I, think I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I. They didn't teach us Latin in school, so I. Don't know. Like, like Deus, D E U S by itself is Deus, but because okay. it's part of one word, we don't. I don't know for sure. Um, well, it reminds then- me just. Quick little tangent, Kinseed, the game, in their settings, has a little button that tells you how to pronounce it. 
like well, you, nice. you click the button and it says Kinseed. And you click it and it says Kinseed. And it's like, oh, okay, that's how to pronounce it. Stardeus needs that. Anyways, go on. <laughs> okay. So I installed this demo just because I've had so many people ask me to play this game. And I'll be quite honest, I am not somebody who really likes space games for i don't really have a reason i just don't enjoy like playing a game on a spaceship or playing a game in space it's just not my preferred setting so like against the storm was great because that was dark fantasy but then this one like i told everyone at the beginning like i don't want to play this but i'm doing it because you asked me to <laughs> so um stardeus it's a. It, <laughs> I have fact checked it as well. It is. It is Latin, and it is Deus. Okay. Well, there you go. Now I know how to say it properly. It the demo is available for the base building fest, but I actually think it's probably more aptly described as a colony sim. But basically, you start off, I think, as like an AI that is responsible for repairing a ship that has just been devastated. It crashed or something. It blew up. I don't know. And you have to take control of the robotic infrastructure and rebuild the ship because there's a bunch of humans and things that are in, like, cryosleep and you can't let them die for reasons. Actually, um, somebody's first law, as Asimov, Asimov, Amalov, something like that, their first law. The one that says robots cannot harm humans or allow harm to come to them through an action. Right, so right, Asimov's laws. Yes. So the the AI, the robots on the ship are following that logic. And so your goal is to like rebuild this ship in order to make it more inhabitable or inhabitable inhabitable at all because like you kind of just get a ship that's been torn apart. Like it's just existing in a vacuum. It's like negative 500 degrees Fahrenheit. And so you got to make it habitable again. And so I didn't get too far in the demo because I I got over my initial bias, like, I'm going to hate this because it's a spaceship. Okay, no, this is pretty fun. Then I got over the, this is really annoying because the tutorial was bad, and I don't know what I'm doing stage. And then I was like, okay, cool, I'm going to take a break real fast. I, let the game, I left the game paused. Came back from my break, hit unpause, and like one minute later, it was like, thanks for playing! And I guess it was a time demo. And it was not upfront oh, about no. that. So I didn't get too, oh, too wow, far. Okay. And... I I will say though, like after the point where I started to get into it, like it was it was seeming like it was going to be pretty cool. I actually really enjoyed. I get okay. No, I can see why it's a base builder because you build the ship from nothing. You know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say I was really enjoying the ship building part of it at least, but I still think it's probably more colony sim than base builder. I don't know. I didn't get far enough to say. <laughs> but I, I will say the menus are. A little bit convoluted. The tutorial is not great. And it's one of those tutorials that just tells you to do things for the sake of doing it and not really explaining to the player why they're doing it. Right. Yeah. If you know That's... what I mean, like click this, place this, click mm -hmm. this, place this. And it's just like, why though? Yeah. <laughs> like we could just skip this whole thing if you just told me, like, what's my goal? Yeah. That is and... a, definitely a, a trap that a lot of games fall into when they're designing tutorials is not really going to the effort of giving context to the player of why what they're doing is important and how it fits into the game world 
and letting them then see the benefit of, hey, you take this action and then you see this benefit. Yeah, actually, uh, Against the Storm yeah. had a pretty good, good tutorial. Mm. It, it did okay. a very good job of that exact thing. Whereas this one was just like, do this, do that. <laughs> At the end of the tutorial, I was just like, what did I even learn? <laughs> How do I play? <laughs> That's it, It's funny you say that because I think that there's a huge difference between tutorials and demos. And I think a lot of games kind of miss that mark. You know, like a demo is designed to sell the game. A tutorial is designed to teach you how to play the game. You've already purchased the game. You've, they've already, you know, the, the conversion factor isn't there. And so when you jump into a super technical um, tutorial that's mostly just telling you what to do, you're not really getting a full sense of the game and what's possible in it. Um, now this isn't for, for all tutorials. Um, I played, uh, what was another one of the games that I played this, uh, this week? It was, um, QB Fractorium, which was a, um, it's like a cute little voxel based colony building automation game, right? And that had tons of tutorials that were basically like, you can make a stockpile here you can then have, okay, what did they have? They had horses and carriages for the first tutorial. Then you could use little balloons, like little zeppelins, and then trains. And it got more and more complex. And it was essentially showing you how to build up these automation networks. But it was also showcasing that you, this is what you can get to with the game. This is what the end game can be like. And... Yeah, I've just noticed that quite a few of these these demos basically are tutorials, but they don't sell the game real well. Yeah, I mean, I I I don't know, like if for Stardeus, if it was if it was actually a time tutorial, if that's what it seemed like, and I yep. think it might have counted my time down while I was in my break. And I'm not sure because there was no on-screen timer, but I came out of it like not really sure what how i feel about the game you know like i just started to get into it and then yeah. i was cut short and so like i don't know if i want to go and buy that game yeah i'm not sure if it's a game for me because i i i know that i don't like spaceships and, and things set in space i don't I, I don't know where this bias comes from i just like trees and stuff <laughs> i like my trees like your trees yeah um, and my digging i can't dig in a spaceship Oh yeah, yeah. I've been playing Valheim <laughs> off stream, and oh my gosh, the, the digging, the trees, the exploration is fun. Um, a demo that I played that is absolutely great is Moonstone Island. Now it's a pretty, pretty simplistic one. Basically, you're an alchemist. Apparently, this is a world where all the islands are floating around in the air. And so you're flying on your broom, you've just become an alchemist, and unfortunately you get tired or a wind happens and you crash, and you happen to crash on Moonstone Island. And so it's a demo that has all of the features of the game, and you just play for the first week, right? So you have basically seven days to play through, explore, do dungeons, do everything, but you can't go after the first week. And it's 
a fantastic little game. And again, it's an, it's an opportunity where the demo is a great um, taste of the game because it is literally just the first week. It's not a tutorial teaching you how to, to, to mine, to chop wood, to explore. It is literally just, you can go see the blacksmith. You can get tasks from the blacksmith. You can actually ask people out on dates straight away. I found that hilarious. The first day I crashed, I asked someone out on a date to the beach and they said yes. So I was like, sweet. They um, admired your confidence. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> but it's, it's again, it's a lovely, fun and inclusive game. So I'm, I'm kind of talking on two points here. One, I'm saying Moonstone Island was, was a great game. And I'm also saying it was a great example of a demo, you know? It was immersive. It showed you what the world was like, what the day-to-day gameplay was like, and had a lot of fun with that. The game itself is really cool because it's like, um, it's almost like a Zelda-like exploration um, game, and you can build a balloon and then use that to sail, like using the wind currents from little island to island. And then it's also like Pokemon. You get spirits, you can have these spirits uh, fight for you, and you get cards, and the cards dictate what your spirit can do, and you've got like three energy per turn, and the the cards um, the cards utilize all these different moves and different energies. It's really fun. And I'm really keen to see how it goes. My only concern is one, I'm not a huge fan of card builder, deck builder games, mostly because I'm not good at them. They require strategy and planning and that's where I fall short. But um, yeah, no, it was an absolutely beautiful game nonetheless. And I am definitely going to be getting a copy of it when it comes out. I downloaded the demo. You sold it. (laughs) That that's that's it. You should absolutely. <laughs> Maybe I'll play it tomorrow. You should. <laughs> I might. <laughs> now, Drongo, I have a question for you. Hit me with it. Did you blow up Megaton? Uh not yet, but I am definitely open to the idea. It is it is on the cards. Oh, it's no. on the cards. I need to sell you on this because I've never done it and I want to mm. see it done. Well, I've never I've done it never either done it. in my playthroughs either. I tend to default to a pretty good player stance when I'm typically playing alone. I don't know why, but I have the capacity to feel empathy for video game characters. I'm, I don't know why, but it is a thing. So I very rarely find myself naturally orienting towards like a a more outright egregiously evil act Uh, and then you add chat and then you add chat but then also like the way i like to stream games like rpgs and stuff like that such as fallout 3 which is what we're talking about now for those of you who may not immediately (laughs) put two and two together um is i generally will try to play in a way that I haven't played the game prior, which normally means I go for something a little bit more chaotic evil or something like that. Uh, One, because it is very different to what I've experienced before. So you get lots of new interactions and that kind of thing, which 
already having played one session of Fallout 3 on stream this week, I've already been exposed to a whole bunch of new dialogue options that I've not seen before and interactions that have been pleasantly surprising. And I've uh, it, it also gives an opportunity for chat as well to kind of get involved and really embrace the the chaotic gremlin energy of of being just like a just a real a real nasty person in a universe like Fallout. And I mean Fallout 3 is a great game because it gives you a lot of properly gray options which a lot of games really lack. It feels like when you're coming from an RPG perspective and a lot of nuance not everything is as egregiously outright bad as blowing up Megaton and killing, you know, uh, dozens of innocent people. But, you know, there are some really good nuanced options, uh, which I really like. So I'm, I'm relishing the experience of, of jumping in again and, and playing Fallout 3. Yeah, it's, it's a fantastic game. And I really love it for the, um, for the RP elements. I think New Vegas, of course, is closer to my heart in the simple sense of i really 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 love the ncr ranger armor um that aesthetic is like way cooler to me than power armor but again um it's fallout 3 was my first foray into the fallout universe as well and i tend to play good characters too um a lot of it a lot of the time it's i don't want to lock myself off from certain content like the idea of destroying Megaton means you can no longer go to Megaton. And that just is like, oh, I don't want to miss out on that. You know, mm. so I wind up usually towing that line of what keeps the most options open for me in the end. Yeah. Um, I think that's a very easy kind of trap to to fall into with games like Fallout. And I've had to kind of pull myself up on that a couple of times, like, especially in recent times where it's so easy now to kind of go online and look up a quest and and look up the outcomes and things like that and kind of, in a way, spoil it for yourself and be so concerned about, okay, how do I play this optimally? What is going to give me the best outcomes from this? And kind of almost get lock yourself out from a really genuine experience of the game by being obsessed about the the most optimal way to play the game where it it, it kind of detracts from the experience and i've i've personally had to really kind of wrangle those sorts of feelings in because i i'm definitely somebody who likes to play games both from a rp perspective in a way that makes sense but i also like to maximize the experience as well and it is a, a trap that I could lean into and fall into a bit more if I'm if I'm not careful. Yeah, I'd like to blame um, Fire Emblem for mm. basically harming me to the point that I need to do that as well. You know, the <laughs> idea that in order to get certain characters, you have to have certain characters on the field, and they have to go to a town, and then they got to talk to this enemy unit and and this friendly unit or if they die in this game they're gone so you've got to go through and do it perfectly otherwise you'll lose your favorite characters i'm very much that same i've been trying to break out of it and and i i honestly have you you said you've got to avoid that um looking up the optimum way and and sort of weighing up all the outcomes mm -hmm. i've honestly been trying to use that as a reason to do whatever you know 
if I want to know what the outcome is, if, if I do something, I can just look it up later. I can look up the cutscenes I miss on YouTube later if I go the good route. And then I can look up what happens if you go a bad player later. And so I've kind of been pushing myself on that angle saying, hey, play it however you want, because you can always look up how the other road looks later. You know, you don't have to go through and play the entire game again just to see what happens if you if you go the other path. Yeah. So I've been I've been trying to sort of adopt that approach in the sense that that opens things up for me and that I can make one choice because I know I can always find out what this, the other choice was. Yeah, exactly. Jess, do you get choice paralysis in games? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, hello, I have ADHD. Of course I do. Um, <laughs> I absolutely do, yes. It's it's the exact same for me. I I I get stuck in choice paralysis and... I think that is why I tend to wind up in open world survival games or farm sim games because there's no real choice. You know, you can just do whatever and progress at whatever. You're not really locking yourself off from content by doing something else. Um, but yeah, like again, Fallout 3, Fallout New Vegas, uh, even Knights of the Old Republic were really good at that and Mass Effect and, and um, Dragon Age as well. Mm -hmm. Ones that really made you think about the choices because you knew they impacted the world. You knew that they changed how things were going to play out. And I really like that. Dragon I just Age, caught up a little bit. Dragon <laughs> Age Origins is a game that will always stand out in my mind as one of my favorite RPG games ever. Oh my gosh. Same. All the decisions feel so impactful. It's amazing. I adore that game. Me too. I think I played that one on a summer break and I th I must have played through it like 20 times and I don't think it's mm -hmm. an exaggeration because I wanted to see every single interaction. Yeah. And I went so far as to like look it up on forums, you know, like how do I get this interaction? How do I mm -hmm. get this character to like be my lover? And how do I get a love triangle? <laughs> yep. It, it, is, it is a fantastically written game and the it's voice so acting good. is really good and it is... Oh, I, I adore it. And even the DLCs or the expansions for Origins also really, really good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I want to play that game yeah. again. <laughs> yeah, that sold on another game. Back back mm -hmm. to another playthrough. You're yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, Jess, the last game on your list is Lumencraft. What yes, is it is. So again, this is only the, the demo. I actually requested a key for this like way back in the day, I guess. Right. April 2022, because that's when it came out. <laughs> <laughs> and I never heard back. So like sad me never got to play. But there's a demo available right now. Um, it's a top down. Like rogue roguelite shooter base builder tower defensey kind of game. Basically, oh, and and you dig a lot. If you, <laughs> you dig a lot, because you have to find lumen, and lumen is what you use, basically as like it seems like a main ingredient to enable your crafting, and I think that's why right. it's called lumen crafting or lumen craft. Oh, um, like like Minecraft is about mining and crafting. <laughs> um, so it reminds me very heavily of Darkwood, the the camera and the. Uh, 
like the, the specific top down, like very atmospheric, this dark feel feels like dark wood. Um, but then also in the mechanics, the way that the way that you control your camera and your character feels super dark woody as well. Right. Which is which is a, a top down horror game. So I wouldn't say that this one was very scary, though. I only played the tutorial map, but basically you dig and you collect lumen and you collect metal and then you use those resources to upgrade your weapons and your drill and your character. And then you defend from waves of monsters that want to stop you from collecting lumen. And so Naturally. like you, you get like, I'm not sure in a, a regular round of the game, like how long the waves are. In the tutorial, it was like 27 minutes that you got to dig and build before your first wave. And so I don't wow, know if okay. that's... I don't know if, if that's how the rest of the maps play. Right. But I didn't get a chance to try out the demo maps, aside from the tutorial map, but it was a lot of fun. Like, it felt super satisfying to just, like, walk along and drill things, make these little tunnels and stuff. Although I've, I'm kind of clumsy with it, because I'm over here, like trying to use the directions, you know, like WASD and the mouse to steer. And I'm like going backwards all the time <laughs> <laughs> because I feel like a controller might be more preferable for a game like this. Right. Right. It was cool though. And this is another one that I would really, really like to play the full game for. I knew that I would like it when I first saw it. I actually saw it on 2D Curious stream. And that's when I requested the key because I was like, Oh, you dig. Tower defense, fun. Yep, once again, <laughs> once again, digging, digging you down for it. Yep. Mm-hmm. It was cool, though. It's very, very bright. And purple. Purple pink. That, that sounds really interesting. Um, I'm just looking at my Reaper, and uh, it's forgotten half the audio. I don't get it. That's a worry. Hopefully, hopefully it appears again, or I've just clicked something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> we'll edit this bit out. The last game on my list was um, World War Two Rebuilder. Now, I, I I saw this game and I really interested me just to check it out because it looked really unique. I jumped into it and. It was honestly so relaxing and so strange. So the idea is you're basically cleaning up. You were too young to go to war. World War II is finished. You're now part of the cleanup. You know, you are going around and um, the, the, the demo of this was the first two maps. So the first one was just basic real tutorial stuff. The second one was you were traveling towards London and you had to stop at this station because there'd been an explosion at the station. And it was actually based off real life events in which a train that was carrying, um, munitions, it was carrying bombs, uh, caught fire. And this was in like early 1994. Uh, so yeah, 1944. And through the actions of the, um, the the uh the engineer and the driver they managed to decouple the um the one on fire and they managed to get the rest of the train away before the fire went off killing the uh the engineer 
and um, I think it was like the station guard, but the driver survived with significant injuries and such. And it was like generally considered a very heroic deed. They basically, if they hadn't have decoupled it, hadn't have gotten it away, the explosion would have been like the entire train. And these were like 500 pound bombs. So big ones that were dropped from planes. So you are in this basic, this ruined English um, train station. And you go through and your first job is picking up some of the rubble, using the cutting torch to cut the train tracks, place new ones in. Almost like power washing simulator in the sense that you would use a button to see what needed attention. Then you'd go and use various tools on that to, to fix it, to place it. And then once you'd cleaned everything, like you'd sort of knocked down the old walls, rebuilt new ones, then you could go in and place decorations and sort of bring it back to what it was. But it was really, really cool in the sense that it had a beautiful setting, a beautiful vibe. Um, and the mechanics were pretty, pretty straightforward and simple. You would click, pick up rubble, you cut the, the metal bits with a metal torch, you see those and various various pieces like this so it was all really really nice really straightforward and um super easy to to sort of manage there and then um yeah uh and then beyond that it had this beautiful story in which you find out what happened through various context clues various items that are still around you know you find um a recording of the the station engineer you know hearing that there were, the fire was there and he's like no we can't we can't just let it go off we've got to we've got to do something about this and you know a whole bunch of things like that so i thought it was really really fun super chill and relaxing um the game itself as far as i know you go to france and then you go to west germany um so there's like a lot of content in that. The tutorial was only the first, first real map. It was, sorry, the demo was only the first real map. It was a tutorial of the first real map, but really good. And I'd love to get it just for, just just some chill vibes. You get to clean up stuff, rebuild things, and then put Ameri uh, put uh, British flags everywhere and park benches on top of trains. Yeah, it looks nice. I, saw it earlier and i thought about grabbing the demo but i decided that i decided i will grab it <laughs> yeah that's it <laughs> that's all i have to say on that <laughs> yep <laughs> yep no got it <sighs> okay so i think um with that done we're going to take a short little break and then we're going to pop back and talk about one of the weirdest microphones I've ever seen and uh, oh, ever will see, I think. I'm sorry. That's I'll excuse back to the house. Welcome back to the Halcyon Frequency Podcast with Bloody Drongo and only Bloody Drongo. <laughs> <laughs> Jess oh is in goodness. the pungent. But um, this, this thing is basically 
Um, oh, I've, I've just scrolled up to the very top of it. Leakage voice suppression microphone. It's essentially a, uh, a device designed to be a microphone that you cannot hear the person talking if you are outside of it. Um, so it's, it's <laughs> the head straps alone concern me, but it is basically a device you strap to your, your face that goes over your mouth. And so you can talk and it's a microphone, but it muffles anything else for anyone not on the call with you. So sitting right next to the person, you would hear a muffled voice. Um, it's a soundproof Bluetooth microphone that makes it difficult for others to hear your voice. And at the same time, makes it difficult for ambient noise to enter the microphone. Um, kind of looks like a tweet. medical device. It, <laughs> medical is not the device I was thinking of, but, uh, <laughs> yes, that, that too. <laughs> um, it's a really weird thing. It was tweeted out by the Game Awards, um, and pretty much all of the uh, all of the responses, like each response I I see next is my favorite response. Um, I don't think a lot of people like this one. It's honestly, they look like gags. It really does look like you're just wearing a some weird mouth gag. Um, Drongo, what, what's your favorite bit of this? <laughs> well, I mean, my general feeling about this is humanity has finally flown too close to the sun. We've Icarus ourselves <laughs> and we're finally going to begin to plummet back down to the ground awaiting us below. This is definitely a case of do less. It's like... Yeah, sure, I can see the, the justification for such a product existing, but also at the same time, it's like, you, you, you're solving a problem, but at what cost? It is just, it, it, it's, it's just upsetting to look at, and I mean, they, like, I have to question whether this is actually going to be sold and bought considering their product images appear to just be photoshopped. <laughs> so well, yeah, my, my favorite I, I question one whether is they've the... even got a working product yet. Uh, it seems like, I, I don't know. Like, uh, I and, quite and if like... So, like with the mic so close to your mouth, how, like what's the sound quality going to be like? Like, is it actually going to be worthwhile? And then at the same time, like, what if you want to breathe through your mouth? Like, it, can you can you still do that? Like, how? And and if so, is the mic going to pick that up? Are you going to be sat listening to your work colleagues on on conference calls where they're breathing? Through? I <laughs> sorry, you have I just a sneezed. There. Um, breathing direct, <laughs> mouth breathing directly onto their microphone the whole time while you look at them on Teams. Well, it looks like they've got a weird mouth gag in. Like, it's it's um, just a weird universe that we exist in where this is a reality. Rest assured, they've already thought of that. There is a moisture-absorbing cushion which receives saliva splashes. Awesome. 
that doesn't answer my question at all. That sounds what do you tasty. mean? They've already thought of that. That doesn't answer my problem at all. <laughs> like I was just scrolling too. It's hygiene conscious removable mouth pad. My my favorite part of all of this is all of the screenshots of it being used, the photo the photo sh uh, shops of it being used, I should say more than screenshots. Yeah, they're the all woman, in like the yep. woman is like you can tell the original photo was holding a cell phone like to her ear yes. and said she's yes. holding this microphone to her mouth. And and also yeah. they're all in the, the they're all in their own home. Mm -hmm. You know, one is playing VR, one is at a call where you don't see other people around, and the other one's winning a game and seems to have, like, purple lighting on him and, and almost looks like he's streaming. Like, streaming with one of these things would be hilarious. <laughs> the, well, I, think, I feel like one of the niche markets that maybe this could be an interesting application for is the asmr market because i know they're always looking for interesting and unique microphone solutions so i wonder if there is like a a market for asmr where you talking directly into this mic and only into this mic and you can kind of like do some like tapping or something i don't know rub it against things or I don't know, like, it's just, uh, it is, I, I, I really am genuinely curious to see whether this somehow takes off. If it does take off, I think I'm done. I think I'm then going to pull the, pull the, the, the parachute cord and I'm just going to go live in the, live in the forest and, you know, re retire from society in general. Again, the ASMR market is not the market I think of when I look at this. Uh <laughs> Um, it will apparently retail for two hundred US dollars. So that is a that is a significant microphone. Um, will it see use outside of anyone that thinks that they need to use this to talk in a cafe? My guess is no, but it does seem to be a device that they are working on doing. Um, Shiftall has made several strange things um most of it is built around um vr stuff um there is what do they have they have the um haritora which is a body tracking device for steam vr basically you apply it to your waist your thighs your knees you know and sort of other devices uh, other parts for the um for the 1.1 the expansion one and so it's more body tracking. They also have VR glasses, which is like a really lightweight headphone. So it appears they are looking to sort of push as much into VR as they can. But yeah, some of their devices really do feel like it's prototype proof of concept. Like, um, like they've got the cook and keep. Which, which this, this one, this one actually kind of interests me because I'm looking around on their products. Uh, basically, it refrigerates your meals and then can remotely reheat them and using the same device. So, you know, say you're at work, you want to come home to a hot dinner, you put your meal into this thing, it will stay cold. And then when you're on the way home, you can set it to reheat and you can come home to it hot. 
Mm. And, you know, there are a few little things like that that have, it's almost like uh, some entrepreneurial, they're trying all these different things to try and find the next big item, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah. Um, it, it, it's it's progress for the sake of progress rather than it being like a genuine move forwards in, in application. But I, I was just sat here thinking about this and I feel like maybe they've missed the mark in terms of where they want to market this piece of tech too because i feel like this doesn't really have an application in the kind of casual user space but maybe this does actually have a genuine use justification in the counterintelligence uh space because if you think about it the ability to have a device that fits over the mouth to prevent lip reading technology and also a device that muffles your voice to potentially allow you to record or speak to somebody in a situation where there might be audio monitoring devices could actually be useful and have a genuine practical application. So I feel like maybe, you know, there's an argument to be made that counterintelligence is where they should be marketing this. I don't know. Spy games just become shoot the guy with the weird gag. Well, <laughs> I'm more thinking about like maybe having one of these on hand when you're out and about and being able to conduct, uh, you know, <laughs> sensitive calls in, in like in hotels and while you're on the road and things like that. You know, I think that's right, a, right. a genuine okay. use calls rather than, you know, in a public space pretending like you're covert. Like I'm, I'm just <laughs> talking about like just in general being secure. Right, right, yeah, yeah. That 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 makes a little bit more sense. It's still utterly ridiculous. But the last the last device that I found that I want to to highlight on their site is DrinkShift is a service that combines smartphone app and proprietary refrigerator. It automatically detects the inventory of beer in the fridge and each customer's drinking pace, and delivers favorite beer to home or office at the perfect time. Users select their favorite beers and create their own package via a smartphone app. And then, wait, I'm reading this out. <laughs> Basically, it works out how much beer it's got, how much beer you're drinking, and it orders for you? I mean... I guess so. Yeah, sure. I feel like that's not really a representative <laughs> way. Like, I don't think that anybody's like, anybody who enjoys a drink, I feel like you're generally not going to be consuming a beer on a an algorithmic basis. Maybe you are, and I don't really realize it, but like, I feel like you have those days where you might just have a random beer with dinner and then you have a weekend where you have a piss up with your mates and you, you know, drink a whole carton of beer in, in one sitting, you know? So I don't know how practical this is. This, again, this feels like a whole bunch of tech bros in Silicon Valley just like sat down in a boardroom or a, on a garage together and we're just like brainstorming ideas. It's like, oh, what if we had a refrigerator that could order beer for you so you never ran out? What if we had a microphone oh, yeah. that, you know, you could use on public transport without upsetting other people, you know? For like context, yeah. this is actually a Japanese company. That does not surprise me uh, because some of the the translation in the product info has left me a little bit like okay that's a bit weird but that makes complete sense 
Um, Project Nessa also will judge whether someone is wearing the same outfit as before and warn them before they leave the house. Um, what? My, my biggest yeah. concerns ever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what? A, sm- a smart full-length mirror for people who have been embarrassed by wearing the same outfit every time they meet a specific person. Oh my um, god. It infers from the names of attendees and the name of the event name rather, rather whether the current has been seen by anyone attending the meeting with a, using a smart algorithm. <sighs> I man, if if that's something if that's a problem in your life that you really need to be solved, I feel like that's a problem that needs to be addressed by therapy, not by a smart mirror, honestly. My goodness. The uh, project Nessa is an acronym for Never Same Shirt Again. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I I actually am interested by this RGB light product of theirs. Okay. It has a very minimal description, but it seems like it casts red, green, and blue light, and somehow that creates shadows... That are not black. Yes, but updating instead- the concept that shadows are black. So what? again, it, cre- it creates te- combo colors for shadows. Well, yeah, I don't know basic- how this works. So, hang on, no, that's not how shadows work. <laughs> what? I was so yeah. confused. Basically, it's like if we shine different colored lights from different angles, instead of the shadow being black, it'll be red. And yeah. Um, I, I just love that. That's again, the tech bros got high and went, what if shadows didn't have to be black? There anything on the product list that I would be interested in trying. It's RGB light. <laughs> I'm all for f- interesting lighting solutions, but man, that feels like it's uh, trying to solve a problem that just does not exist. I, I love, I, I, I really, really, Having, having, like, we started this segment, segment just planning on looking at the, the Mew talk. The more I've seen everything else makes me just, like, I want to go to the party that these tech bros had these ideas at because whatever they were talking about, I wanted to be the fly on the wall for that. That is, you know. Okay, like, but have you seen Beamer? Beamer, uh, I think, would actually be super cool if it, if it works as... I'm interpreting it. It's a pendant light that, with an AR projector, that could be like super cool for D and D. Um, relevant information about these topics, uh, these objects can be displayed. It recognizes the object and provides information about it. So, you put an item there, like the the display picture. It has it. The oh. picture of the oh, orange. Okay. And then I it's got see. like the Wikipedia entry for orange. Oh, who cares about that? Like, I thought it was again, actually like an AR projector. Again, tech bros, what if you just wanted to know something about something and you put it under a projector and it could just display next to it what it is? This, this is, is orange. just. This is tech bro stoner ideas. <laughs> I mean, have any of these products actually been made? A yes. Few of them, so, yeah. yeah, a few of them have, and then prototypes and in development are below. Like the Mutalk is a prototype or in development. A lot of these ones are. 
but the uh the rgb light the you know the vr stuff has already been out yeah yeah i'm just looking okay so yeah we've got a couple of things here okay but all these are even the stuff that you can buy from their store now the earliest they are saying that they'll be available is april 2023 i would not be surprised if this whole thing is a scam legitimately (laughs) it's too weird to be a scam I no, I don't know. I feel like this is something <laughs> that like you build a whole website with a whole plethora of different products and then you get people interested and buy them and you cast a really like this is like a, a genuine way that you could do marketing for this is that you make products that people don't want and people get it's like outrage marketing, right? People react to it because it's like this is so pointless. I'm so angry about this. And then they go and look at it and then eventually if you cast a wide enough net with a, a weird and wide enough array of products, eventually there's going to be some people that are going to be like, "Okay, I actually think this is either kind of funny or kind of interesting. And it's all priced at a price point of like between 50 US dollars to 300 US dollars. So it's like cheap enough that some people might consider it, but it's you know expensive enough that it's worthwhile just like taking the money and running. It would not surprise me at all if this is a whole big scam, like genuinely, genuinely. It would I don't not think surprise it's a me. I don't think it's a scam, but I think it is one of those tech enthusiast bait traps, you know, the, the people that really want to feel like they're on the cutting edge of technology, because you look at stuff like this and realistically, no one gives a damn about whether you're wearing the same shirt to meet someone, but some people love the idea of AI providing that service more than that service itself right um and i think that's that's where we're kind of winding up in a lot of things is okay what can ai do as a proof of concept and people get excited about the ai doing something rather than it being done like nobody cares about that shirt wearing the same clothes that's not a normal person's concept of anything right but the idea that ai that 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 ai can do that is cool yeah i don't know i i still feel like this is the even if sure it might be an early adopter honeypot i'm not sure but i feel like there's enough elements here that make me question whether this is actually a legitimate thing I think it just makes you scared that people might actually look at this and go, I want it. <laughs> and that's I fair. Mean, I have that's no, completely fair. <laughs> I have no doubt that there are people that would eventually, there are, there are some people out there that would be like, man, this is great. I can't wait to get this. I have no yeah. doubt about that. Yeah. So if you would uh, pick up one of these items, we'll leave the link to the, to the website down below simply because you have to see it to believe it. But if you would pick up something like this, let us know in the comments on, on YouTube or on Twitter, or even in the Halcyon Frequency Discord, um, because I'd, I'd honestly love to see what people think about it and why they would choose it, whether it's for the gimmick or whether they feel it actually fills a hole in their life or, or <laughs> maybe not that deep. <laughs> Phil's a need way to sound so judgmental. Look, look, (laughs) as someone with ADHD, I am not immune to looking at something and going, that absolutely niche product 
will fulfill me. Um, I have a I have a nicer dicer for that very reason. It's a nicer like, dicer. You know those boxes with the interchangeable blades, and you put the item in, and then you just like crunch the lid down, and it like instantly dices all your food. I have not seen this. Is it like a slap chop? Um, let me have a look. I'm gonna give a little slap chop. Um, similar except horizontal. Hang on. Oh. So okay. I'm going to find a find find an image and share it with you. But basically, it's just a, a box you can put items in, and then it chops them all according to whatever blade you've you've entered. There are lots of things like that, and I think I, I don't think anyone is immune to various bits and pieces and go, yeah, no, I absolutely want something like that because that fills that need and then wind up not using it. So I'm really keen to see if anyone actually looks at this and goes, you know what? I would love a device. Like I looked at that cook keep. That would be amazing because that cuts time. It means you can have food hot when you get home, but you don't need to do anything super weird beforehand. You know? I, I just... <sighs> Yeah, I don't know. I despair at the idea of having to use something like that. Like, it's just, it's so pointless. Is if you don't have, like, 30 seconds in your day to heat up leftovers, like, well, I don't know what to tell you. Like, you're spending hundreds of dollars to solve a problem that isn't a real problem. Yeah, I don't know. You're talking to two ADHD people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just looking at it going, yeah, but what if? What if? But also, like, I mean, I've definitely had situations where I like I can't be bothered heating up my dinner. I'm just going to have it cold. <laughs> so, I mean, I I, 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 don't know. I maybe maintain. I'm more resilient to this idea of having to heat up your food. <laughs> cold pizza is better than reheated pizza. Air. It can no, be air fryer. Get an air fryer. Seriously, air fryer has been life changing. Or if you're going to microwave it, just uh, put a little bit of water in a cup in the microwave with it. Okay. I reject both of those. We have one of those little sandwich presses. What you do is you put it in the sandwich press and you, you crank the lock so it's just above the pizza. It's not actually pressing on the pizza. And so you've got the crispy bottom and the heat coming from the top. I I don't know where you get the audacity to come at us both with... Cold pizza is better than reheated pizza anyway. And then when we come in with suge legitimate suggestions for <laughs> reheating pizza to make it actually good, you're just like, well, I've got a better suggestion anyway than both of you for reheating pizza. So it's like, well, I, don't I know. think that pick a team, Arch, pick a team. Realistically, though, I think my suggestion is the best because yeah, I, first I off, agree. air, air fried reheated pizza is delicious, but also air fried anything is just perfect. I've not got an air fryer, so I don't. I it is so worth know, it. Yeah, it does air everything. They honestly calling them air fryers is a uh, disservice to them. They are more like tiny they're convection like, ovens. Yeah, I was going to say they are tiny convection ovens. It's not like they are. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. I just wanted to make sure I was using like in case I got the wording wrong. You know, something can be like something and still be it, but it can't be something if it's not it. You know. Sorry, can you run that by me again? Like, if I said a German Square. shepherd is like a dog. I was going to go squares and rectangles. Okay. Yeah, yeah. A square can <laughs> be like a rectangle. 
Or a rectangle can be like a square, but a rectangle is not a square. But wait, so are you saying that German shepherds are like dogs, but they're not a dog? <laughs> I, I'm lost on your point here now. <laughs> we will we will not be revisiting that point. Okay, okay. Uh, all right, sure. Is this all going to make it into the final production of the podcast? I really hope it doesn't. This needs to be cut. <laughs> no episode this off week. The rails here. Uh, but with that uh, rail rails being left behind, I think that's where we'll wrap up. Thank you so much for listening, Jess. Where can people find you online? You can find me on YouTube and Twitch and Twitter and Discord as well, Jess, with underscores in various places. Sorry. <laughs> and Drungo, what about you? You can find me on Twitter as at the bloody Drongo. Go and follow me. We're closing in on 1,000 followers on Twitter, and I post stuff there. Uh, but you can also find me on Twitch as the Bloody Drongo, all one word. Uh, sorry, no, not the Bloody Drongo, just Bloody Drongo, all one word. No underscores in various places. And because I took the time to make a truly original name, you can find me as ArchPlaySTUFF on all social platforms. That has been the absolutely scuffed episode 54 of the halcyon frequency podcast thank you so much for listening uh available on all places where you listen podcasts listen to podcasts and uh probably on the one you're listening to it now as well if there are options to leave a review please do so uh they mean a lot to us and they help us a lot with the algorithms um but that is it this has been the halcyon frequency podcast don't change that dial signing off bye for now I'm going to have to I'm going to have to send blind some chocolates if he's editing this one <laughs>